You're listening to season three of the Achieve With Me podcast. I am your host, Rachel Gilfrin, and I'll be spending the next few minutes chatting to you about what achieving, winning, and success mean to you. As a confidence and career coach, I am a huge believer that success is strongly linked to having a positive mindset. My mission is to empower ambitious women like you to gain the confidence to smash your goals and keep progressing in your career. In this series, I will be sharing some really valuable tips and techniques to help you get ahead in your career. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hello, my ambitious ladies, and welcome back to another episode of Achieve With Me. Now, you may have noticed today is an episode with a bit of a difference. If you are listening through your normal platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc., then you may not notice the difference. But for me, this is the first episode, podcast episode, that I have recorded actually via video. So usually I simply record, sat in my office with my microphone, pull the audio from it um, and, and get it uploaded. But I had a bit of an epitome and one of my lovely peers named Lou, we are in a mastermind together and we share all sorts of different ideas and um, ways in which that we can try to engage a bit better with our respective audiences. And Lou advised me that she has actually begun recording her podcasts via video, really just to help people to see how relatable she is and where a lot of her knowledge is coming from because she's living her values in her everyday life. Now, I'm giving it a go just to see how well received it is. Um, So let me know any feedback. I'm going to be uploading these videos onto YouTube. The podcast is actually already on YouTube as an audio version, but I'll make sure that this is on there as well. Now, there's a few different things that you may notice about being able to see me that you maybe wouldn't notice so much if it was recorded in the traditional manner. Now, the first thing, of course, is shock horror. I'm not wearing (laughs) pyjamas. I know. Usually, my favorite thing to do when I'm recording my podcast is get into my pyjamas I usually do the recording in the mornings and I just feel like that's the epitome of luxury, isn't it? You know, being able to carry out one's work in the comfort of whatever one wishes to wear. And so many people have adopted this kind of pyjamas or joggers option when they are working from home. And so for me, I I definitely am somebody that usually needs to get fully dressed to engage my mind But for podcasting, it's usually the PJ. So there you have it, a bit of a secret about me. Now, of course, I'm not wearing pyjamas, but I am wearing a hoodie, going for the informal look today. Um, Got to keep it comfortable, of course. The second thing that you'll probably notice is you can see a little bit of my office. My lovely little office. That's my little haven for really getting my head down, getting stuck into work. Um, But one of the things that I love about having this space is that I can shut the door at the end of the session or the evening or whenever I finish. And that's work. That's work boxed away, ready for me to come back to, which really gives me that balance. 
And this is actually one of the subjects that I'm going to be talking about today in the podcast. I'm going to be talking about all different types of things that have happened since we've transitioned from working in the office to, to working from home, really. And before we get started, the other thing that you might notice is, I don't know if you can see there's a line on my forehead. <laughs> so I only just realised this when I was putting makeup on. I've always walked back from swimming on a morning and I have had a combination of a swimming hat on this morning, which has marked my head, and then my woolly hat on the way home. And unfortunately, these marks are a lot deeper than I actually realised. So it's going to take a while to go down. So you can muse about that as we go through the podcast. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just what swimming hat life is really. <laughs> so as I said, um, I really want to talk about today is the five really important things that we tend to lose by working from home. Um, I know that so many organizations have kind of looked now to a more of a hybrid option, which is uh, for some people quite a popular one is sort of three days in the office, um, two days at home which works really well for some people because they still get that sort of social aspect um, and the formalised meetings that sometimes need to be face-to-face, you could argue, can still go ahead. Um, But a lot of organisations have moved to working from home full-time. And I know from speaking to my clients, sometimes this presents all sorts of different challenges for them. Um, So I'm keen to discuss the whole working from home thing, just to have a look at some of the areas that I think that we do kind of lose just from having this experience. Um, But also, you know, working from home has opportunities that it presents as well as the challenges. So that's something important to bear in mind as well. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, most of you know that I am a confidence coach and I do so much work on communication skills Um, communication style being really important as well because that really helps to build up your external perception but also interpersonal skills so really looking at the way in which we interact with and work with other people so going back to to working from home then um, there have been quite a few studies you've probably seen quite a few articles on the likes of LinkedIn and that sort of thing really showing the impact of some collections of data that organizations have have had we're looking at the impact on some of the challenges that workers have experienced about working from home and I've kind of looked at a few of these different articles I've spoken to some of my clients I've spoken to some of my corporate clients who are dealing with um, our sort of um, human resources roles so I've tried to get a bit more data outside those articles just to really look at what we think are the sort of five things that we do lose from working from home And I've taken the ones that that kind of resonate most with me as well. So number one, the first thing that we tend to lose by working from home is communication skills. The difference between actually wandering through an office, bumping into two or three people, having a bit of chit chat, making a coffee, walking back to your seat and then sitting and looking at your email 
versus literally coming downstairs from your bedroom and sitting at your desk. It's just absolute worlds apart. Now, of course, when you are in an environment where you're around other people, the first thing that I tend to notice about the way that we communicate is you almost have to kind of turn your energy up a bit. So if you think about if you're at home, you're not really speaking to anyone, you're just straight into your emails. There's almost that element of sluggishness about you because you're not having to engage or interact with anybody. But if you walk into an office and there's other people saying, morning, how are you? You kind of turn yourself up, you you portray that energy and you respond or mirror that communication style that they're putting across. Or alternatively, if somebody kind of says morning, you know, in a bit of a gloomy way, you might try and lift your energy up to try and help them to, to challenge the way that they're communicating and try and kind of lift their mood a bit. So through other people, we do tend to adjust our behaviors. And communication skills are one of the most valuable things, if not the most valuable thing, actually, that will really help you to propel your career forward. Now, as you know, I have three pillars with within this, not in this podcast, but all the work that I do with businesses and my one-to-one clients. And these are mindset, confidence, and you guessed it, communication skills. And it's so important because, as I always say, you know how good you are, but other people don't unless you tell. So one of the things that I think is lost most um, about communication skills Of course, I've alluded to the art of conversation and that kind of impromptu conversation that isn't planned or rehearsed or prepped for like it would be in a meeting environment. Um, And I think that one of the things that we tend not to do as well is pick up the phone as much from home. So that kind of verbal communication skill that we are able to tap into because we're doing it more and more from being around people is lost everything's digital. We're writing emails, we're instant messaging on Teams, just sending a quick message. And before we know it, if we hadn't had any any sort of Zoom meeting scheduled for that day, we might actually go the whole day without speaking to somebody, which blows my mind, especially considering, quite ironic actually, I'm sat here in my office talking to myself right now. Yeah. But what it means is that I have got this opportunity to stretch my own energy levels, as we've talked about. So the thing that I would suggest here to try and combat this is really reflect, start reflecting on your week. So at the end of each day for a week, really ask yourself how many times you've verbally spoken to somebody that has been impromptu, that hasn't been planned or there isn't an agenda linked to it because it's a meeting. And once you've actually done that work to really assess how often you're doing that, look and see how you can find new opportunities to strike up other ways that you can really hone those communication skills. So really making sure that you're taking the time to not necessarily socialize, but really making sure that you're taking the time to have impromptu conversations rather than always having these scheduled ones, because that's really going to help you to hone those communication skills moving forward. So definitely give that one a go. 
Now, the second thing links in quite a bit to communication skills, but I think it's an important one. It's all to do with collaboration opportunities. So whatever it is, the role that you do, if we kind of imagine uh, an organization or a business as a big machine, whatever role you're doing will play some part in making that machine work. So if you imagine yourself as as a bit of a cog, the opportunities that we have to work with other departments are always there. But what we find is that because we often work in silos, so we really, let's say you work in marketing, um, you know, you've got your goals as a marketing department to try and fulfill and, and go after. Whereas when you've got targets linked to that, it can be quite easy to forget about all the other cogs in the machine and really kind of focus on hitting your goals, your KPIs, whatever it is that you're measured on. But what we often forget, and we forget a lot more easily or frequently by not being in the office, is we forget that there are other departments that are having the same shared frustrations as us about things going on in the business, that actually if we worked together and utilised both unique perspectives and skill sets, we could really work together to try and solve that problem or at least propose a workaround to the rest of the business. And this is such a powerful thing because you're really starting to put yourself in the shoes of somebody else in the business. So you're thinking about the implications that this challenge might pose to them. And then you're thinking about how you can help. Now, this happens less and less when you're not bumping into that person in the kitchen or you're not necessarily having any reason to speak to them. To really try and combat this, I have a few suggestions. So quite a lot of organizations will have like a public forum or a public platform that's internal to your business, but you can share news, articles, um, maybe any social elements. If you do have a platform like this, like an internal network that you can share things on, maybe considering reaching out on there in a more informal manner to share some of the ideas that you've got and to see if there are any other departments that these are particularly impacting, to see if you can set something up and look to spearhead a new project. Now, this is going to do two things. It's going to make you seem as though you're really thinking about other people's needs, desires, and changes that they want to implement. And it's also going to really show people that you've got the leadership qualities to know that you're self-aware, you're looking outside of your department, you're not working in a silo, and you're really looking to drive a, a change within the organization that's not just got your exact interests at heart. Really start thinking outside the box um, and looking at opportunities that you have within your own role where you could really use some help from somebody else. Now, I am all about building interdepartmental relationships because I think, do you know what? There's always going to be a day where you need that person to help you or they need you to help them. Now, it might be a very last minute. Let's say you've got an IT issue. You want to get someone on the phone pretty quickly to get your IT issue solved, especially if this is a situation where, you know, you're uh, presenting to a customer or, you know, you've got somebody waiting and you really need to get something solved for them. You're going to want to call in that favor. So it's almost as though you're kind of putting the work karma out there to try and help somebody today when you have got the time and resources to do so. 
But actually, you know that that's going to come back to you one day as well because you're building those relationships. Moving on to the third problem then, um, which actually is happening a lot this year. So, so many people are moving roles this year. Um, every kind of HR, L&D department that I speak to as part of my corporate work is talking about retention challenges. So there's so many new roles being advertised and not enough people to fill them. So a lot of people are switching up the way that they are viewing their career rather than looking at longevity in one role. They're taking a bit of a punt, to be honest. Um, but what happens is, as part of your onboarding process into that new organization or into that kind of new team, the onboarding process can be deprioritized to a certain degree. And if you're remote and you get given a bit of an itinerary as to doing your meets and greets and then maybe a few health and safety videos and whatever else that you're doing in your first couple of weeks, there's usually a few gaps in that. And when you're in an office environment and you encounter those gaps, there's usually somebody else in the team that you can kind of nudge and say, hey, you know, um, do you have any articles that I could read? Is there any um, forums I can research, any YouTube videos that I can watch just to kind of fill the next hour or so until my next meeting here? Whereas that doesn't necessarily happen when you're brand new to an organization, sat at a desk or at your dining room table, let's face it, um, not exactly knowing anybody's face or name to go and ask them if there's anything else that they can point you in the direction of really means that, again, that communication is broken down. And as a result, relationships aren't formed as early as we would like them to be. So in order to try and combat the challenges that people are experiencing regarding onboarding, I definitely would encourage any people you know, people managers, leaders, anything like that, to really consider what they can do to make this process a lot more smooth for both the new people coming into the team, but also for the team to begin to build up that relationship and trust with the person who's come in. Don't forget, it's always a bit of a, a time it can feel a bit difficult when you're trying to accommodate change in a team. Now, God knows we've had enough change in the last couple of years, but there are still some teams that kind of retain that heritage around their existing relationships that they've got there. So it's really important to make sure that everything's done in the best way that it can be to make it a comfortable transition. So really looking at booking in, we've all got a bit of Zoom fatigue, haven't we, sometimes about having all these meetings, but really looking in, um, booking in social chats with the team via Zoom or Teams or whatever. So getting everyone together, maybe doing a quiz or maybe doing a bit of a um, get to know you type situation um, making sure that that's done quite early within that process so that the person can see, begin to kind of, I suppose, see some of the qualities of the individuals within the team and recognize some of the ways in which they communicate. Because again, this communication style, if you're a new person and you get an email from somebody within the team that's maybe comes across a little bit terse or a little bit abrupt because you don't know that person and you don't know how they communicate normally actually that could be 
you know, a bit of a concern or a red flag, but actually having met them in a less formal situation, you can see their communication style and think, all right, okay, I know that they're, you know, a bit of a joker. So when they said that, that's probably just their own humor coming through or whatever. Um, And then another thing to do is just really providing an expectation roadmap for that person. Now, of course, you know, when you do come into a business, you often have a a quite a formalized onboarding structured plan, but really making the time as a people manager or leader to set the expectations with that individual to say, you know, if you do find yourself at a loose end, here's some stuff that you can look at, or why don't you reach out to some of the other team members? By giving that individual alternative things to look at, it means that they're not going to feel as though they're sat there doing nothing and worrying that that kind of that workload that they're meant to be taking on or expected to be taking on isn't being fulfilled. Or if you really just want to be mindful of the fact that those first couple of weeks can be very overwhelming, make sure that you're clear that you're happy for them to take the breaks in between the sessions to really digest what they've learned and almost take notes, translate it in in a way that feels good to them so that they can begin to learn in a way that they're used to rather than kind of enforcing this really jam-packed schedule on them. So whatever feels right for you and the cultural fit of the business, but making sure that there isn't that uncertainty from the new person about what they should or shouldn't be doing. The fourth challenge that we do kind of encounter by working from home is loneliness. And it's, it is such a challenge because, you know, a lot of people who began working from home at the start of the pandemic, they were used to being in the office five days a week. And if you live alone, actually going home to not actually seeing anybody throughout that time it's been so so difficult for so many people it's a challenge that is difficult to combat you know I'm not going to skirt around that it is a challenge that's difficult to combat and some of the really creative ways that I've seen that help people to feel as though they're getting out and doing something even if they're not exactly um, you know going back into the office or going back into that environment helping to break up the monotony of sitting within your home for you know, all day working and then all night doing whatever you do, watching TV, Netflix, reading, whatever it is. So about halfway through the pandemic, um, I noticed that some organizations were promoting walking meetings. And I thought this was an absolutely fantastic idea. Um, What they would do is, you know, if it was a meeting with, um, let's say, three or four people, Um, they would just tap into Zoom or Teams or whatever on their phone. And if it was a 30-minute duration, they would all go out for a walk whilst they were having the meeting. And not only does this make make sure that it's, you know, promoting well-being because people are getting out and about during that meeting, um, it means that it massively breaks up being sat at your desk. People can become more creative when they're moving their bodies looking at other things, looking at, um, you know, different surroundings, different environments can stimulate all sorts of new ideas. 
So actually by hearing somebody talk about something during that meeting, whilst your eyes are wandering and, you know, you're looking at some trees or some wildlife or whatever, could make you think of things in a totally different manner. So there can be lots of benefits from doing walking meetings. Now, taking that kind of up a notch, some people may work um, in close geographical location to one another, but not actually have an office to go to. So whilst you could actually be working in the same city, you may not actually be meeting up at a hub or at an office. And sometimes what I've seen people do is actually between a manager and um, somebody within the team, look at doing a walking meeting um, actually in real life together. So if you are very close to somebody and let's say you already have um, a reasonable relationship, you're, you know, you've been working together for some time and you have a regular one-to-one slot, maybe look at moving that to in-person and going for a walk together. Again, some people can find it a lot easier to talk about things when they're not in that formalized face-to-face staring each other out environment. Actually, just by wandering along, chatting away, letting the conversation flow a bit more freely, again, can have so many benefits. People communicate in different ways and we're all stimulated in different ways. So definitely considering how you could try this is a a really good way to, to see what you can get from people. So we looked at these ideas as part of kind of combating loneliness. Now, of course, breaking up the monotony and looking at having things like away days for the team as well, even if you're not going to be in the office, is also a great way of giving people who are feeling a little bit lonely or isolated something to look forward to. And number five, um, the fifth important thing that we tend to lose by working at home is not being able to switch off. Now, I think we've all been guilty of this, especially when we all first began working from home. And I think that I sort of alluded to this a little bit at the beginning of this podcast episode where I started to talk about my office environment and about how I feel very, very lucky and fortunate that at the end of my working day or the end of my working session, whichever I choose, I can shut the door of my office and that's it. I've got the rest of my home as my kind of safe space. But so many people don't necessarily have that luxury. And so many people find that there's almost this guilt. So if they had a particularly long commute before when they were traveling into the office, um, what I see so often is people saying, oh, well, you know, I'm not spending that time traveling. So of course I'm gonna invest that time into doing extra work. Um, and unfortunately, whilst this can, it can be seen as, you know, you going over and above, and I've talked about this before, um, being a people pleaser myself, whilst it can be seen as, you know, you going over and above, it is a surefire path to burnout. I'm just going to say it, adding all those extra hours, maybe you might have started doing it out of some kind of guilt or some kind of adjustment period because of this commute time. But actually making that the norm then means you're setting the expectation that they're your new working hours, even if nothing's been said verbally. If you're logging on and emailing from, let's say, half past seven 
um, an extra hour ahead of maybe when you start a half past eight, the expectation is probably going to be, okay, well, it's only six o'clock. Um, you were working to a half six the other week. So I was expecting a response. Now, thankfully, not all leaders will ever say that. You know, there would ne- never be this kind of pressure to work extra. And I've seen so many fantastic examples of where people have t- taken the opportunity to write in the bottom of their email signature and um, I understand that you may wish to operate in flexible working, but if you do receive an email from me out of hours, please know I do not expect a response from you. And I think that that's a really good thing to do because it means that, you know, you're almost alleviating that pressure that people may be experiencing to respond. But also you're kind of saying I've chosen to work now. That doesn't mean that you have to work now. Everybody works differently. Um, So not being able to switch off can be a bit of a challenge for a lot of people, um, especially when you're at home. So some ways that we can begin to combat that. um, First of all, keeping your work zone separate. We've talked about, you know, having an office area that you can just shut off and say goodbye to. But if that isn't working for you, if you don't have the luxury of extra space um, in your flat house or, or wherever, One of the things that I have found has been really, really helpful to kind of mark the end of the working day and signify the start of the kind of social time, the home time, um, is by having rituals. So a ritual can consist of anything from, um, well, unfortunately for me, it used to consist of probably a glass of wine or a gin to kind of mark the evening time. Those of you who have been listening for a while may know that I'm doing drag hue ones, so that isn't something that I'll be doing during this time. Um, so don't necessarily go for, you know, an alcoholic beverage to mark that time. But it could be, you know, um, another drink that you maybe wouldn't have during the day, a lemonade or, or whatever. Um, or it could be one of the things that's really nice to do is lighting a really nice candle. So setting up your environment, moving all of your work things away, like your laptop, your notebook, headset, whatever it is, um, and lighting a candle. And once that candle is lit, that's your home time. And it sounds like a tiny thing, but what we're doing is we're signaling to our subconscious mind, we're not in work mode now. And by repeating this ritual at the end of each of our working days really means that we begin to have that association with the candle being lit. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be a candlelight it could mean that you go for a walk at the end of the day or you go to the gym or whatever it is making sure that you choose something that works for you and aligns with the lifestyle that you lead so um I'll let you have a think about what would work for you but really making sure that you've got that kind of shut off point between work and of course that social and home time as well and the final thing just on not being able to switch off, is setting boundaries with yourself. You know, we've all been guilty of when we're up against it, when we've got a deadline, or maybe we're just that cl- that close away from finishing a piece of work, we think we'll just work over. It's about setting boundaries with yourself. So really looking at, and a good way to set boundaries, I've talked about this quite a lot on the podcast before, is looking at what your values are. So If you really value your own personal time to kind of de-stress from that working day, 
if you don't ever set a boundary on when you finish, that's going to be more and more difficult for you to come to terms with or keep consistent. So really by setting a boundary that enforces your values that you have around your own relaxation and well-being, um, really helps you to, to keep within those parameters. So saying to yourself, I will work this amount of hours today. And of course, you know, not all organizations can accommodate flexible working, but if you do choose to start earlier, making sure that you're making making a list or keeping count of the amount of time that you are working so that you can really begin to apportion your time more effectively over the working hours that you do need to cover. Being mindful of it and actually writing down how much you're working can really bring your attention to actually how much energy you're investing into your work. Remember, productivity is something that we automatically assume that we have when we're sat at our desks. But actually, there's been studies that have shown that only three hours out of the working day are actually productive. And the rest of them, we can have our mind wandering, we're thinking about something else, we might be scrolling on social media, or my personal favourite, procrastinating. So thinking of any other little bits that I can do, rather than continuing with the tasks that I need to get done. So definitely have a think about how you can begin to combat some of these challenges. Now, you may be lucky enough to not have experienced any of these, and that is absolutely wonderful if that's the case. But if you have, definitely think about ways in which you could begin to change your own behaviours and change your own environment to support some of these new challenges. So we've talked about communication skills and really making sure that we're keeping a record of how often we're speaking to people from an impromptu point of view rather than having like a pre-prepared agenda. We've talked about collaborating, really forging interdepartmental relationships with other people in the business, making sure that you're building up that work karma so that if you ever do need a favour, you know who you can call on. We talked about onboarding, so many people going into new roles and really looking at how they can... Um, have their expectations provided in some kind of roadmap from that kind of manager or, or leader. So making sure that it's very, very clear what they need to do or that they've got alternative resources to support them throughout times where they might be at a bit of a loose end. Talked about combating loneliness, really looking at experimenting with walking meetings and meeting up and co-working with perhaps a colleague that might live nearby um, and really looking at finally not being able to switch off trying to help ourselves through that time to really make sure that we're putting our well-being before any other deadlines that we might have that we may feel as though we need to alter our normal working hours to accommodate now I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of course it's been my first video episode um, so I may share actually some snippets of this on social media so watch out for those um, but otherwise I will upload this to YouTube so it can be found if you are listening on the audio version bear in mind that my intention outside of interview episodes, because I have to be respectful to the interviewee on there. Um, but for my solo episodes, my intention is 
I'm putting this out here for accountability, guys. You know how I'm always talking about how if we put something out there and tell someone we're going to do it, we're 65% more likely to achieve it. So my intention is to record my podcasts that are done on a solo basis on video moving forward. So let me know what you think. And I would love to see you on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Achieve With Me podcast. If you like what you heard, please do leave me a rating and a review. And a small reminder that I am now taking on new private one-to-one clients. That's right. I'm looking to work with women who are keen to build their confidence and really look at building a plan as to how they can get ahead in their career. So private one-to-one confidence coaching is now open. If you have any interest in this or would like to discuss a few questions that you might have had hanging around, do pop me a message on either Instagram or you can contact me via my website or alternatively just book in for a free discovery call today just so we can get face-to-face, one-on-one and really just go through any of the questions that you might have about the experience. Thank you so much and I can't wait to hear from you.